1: of my brand new book, 120 Minutes to Live Big. Don't settle for mediocrity, live big. Let's get started by visiting canilivebig.com and let's visit it today. That's canilivebig.com.
0: You were made to think
1: big, do big, live big. Well,
0: tomorrow
1: can be bigger. Just grow, cut the world.
2: Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, Senior Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia, where we are reaching the lost, empowering the hurting, assimilating the lonely, and leading our generation for Christ. Visit GraceChurchVA.org for this message and to find out more about grace and how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God and believe that his word calls for us to live big. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live the big, full life that God has for you. Here's Dr. Greer.
1: Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse 2. Father, we come before you because we're hungry. We stand in need of thee. Father, meet us and bless us in this time of ministry, and we'll remember to give you all the glory and all the honor for what you accomplished today in this session. In Jesus' name we pray, we all say, Amen. Verse 2. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Now, only three of the 12 disciples here went up with Jesus. The other nine stayed behind. And he led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. Now, if you know anything about the Scriptures and and, uh, the disciples in particular, you probably guessed that the nine that were left behind were probably not very happy about the arrangement. And we actually see this in Scripture because in the same chapter, just verses away, we see the, the disciples get into a heated debate over who should be the top disciple, who should be closest and next to Jesus. Let's go there. Let's go to verse 43, 33, forgive me, and then we'll come back to where we began. Same chapter, the event immediately after the events we're going to study this morning. Then he came to Capernaum, and he, when he was in the house, he asked them, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road about? Now, in this time in history, you know, there weren't automobiles, so roads were not very wide. You might have an eight-foot road. A lot of times they were six-foot roads. So so maybe two or three could comfortably walk in tandem, you know, to where they were going right next to Jesus. But typically the others walked behind Jesus in small groups and, and clumps. And it seems here from the text that Jesus could not physically hear the conversation uh, going on behind him, but he could tell that there was something going on with his men and that that there was some uh, heated discussion, you know, down the road uh, pulling up the rear. But verse 34, he asked the question, he said, hey guys, what what was going on while we were uh, on our way to to, to Capernaum? And when he asked the question, Scripture says, but they kept what? Silent. Why? Because they all knew better. None of them wanted to admit that they've been arguing about, you know, uh, who would be the greatest. For, let's, let's read this. For on the road, they disputed among themselves about who would be the what? Greatest. You know, what, what we see here is although these men walk with God, it did not totally erase their humanity. And though we walk with God, there is some human stuff that pops up every now and then. And in a moment, Jesus is about to deal with it. Now today, when a minister stands to preach, uh, He stands. But in the ancient world, particularly in Israel, when you taught, you sat. And when, when the rabbi sat down, it solemnized and formalized the session. So Jesus is aware of the problem. And what he does is he doesn't, you know, go to each individual. He collects the whole group, and he begins to address the issue. So he called the 12, and he said to them, if anyone desires to be First, all of them were were fighting and arguing over, you know, ascendancy. Who would be, you know, the, the top dog, if you will. But I want you to pay attention to what Jesus doesn't do. He does not rebuke them for their ambition. All he does is refocuses it. You know, there's nothing wrong with having some ambition. But the problem is often our, our ambition is 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 targeted on the wrong thing. So watch what he says. He says, if anyone desires to be what? First, you're bad. That's not what he said. He said, if anyone desires to win in life, if anyone desires to be first, here's the deal. He shall be last of all and servant of all. So instead of striving for prominence, they were supposed to, and what Jesus wanted them to do is strive to serve. There's nothing wrong with having ambition. Your, your ambition just has to be rightly directed. Imagine if all of us in this room—I mean, every Sunday we came to church and no one competed for credit, but all we tried to do is outdo each other in service. Imagine if people would get married and they wouldn't fight over you know I mean money, don't you know I mean money, none of that, that, none of that. The greatest competition is how can I be a better blessing to you. Than you are to me. Man, it would be like heaven on earth if we would finally begin to just do a few of the things that Jesus taught us. Mark 10 and 35. This is just one chapter over. We're going to see the same thing pop up. What's amazing, Jesus already addressed the issue. He had a, a you know, a, that's where you get the, the, the saying, come to Jesus meeting. And he talked to them about their ambition and and all the rest. But just a chapter away, it pops up again. So that's why I know as a pastor, if you hear me say the same thing over again, because I know you, you need to hear it more than once. And often you don't get it on the first time. Jesus here has to deal with the very same issue. It looks a little bit different here, but it's the same issue. 10 and 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, teacher or rabbi, we want you to do for us whatever we want. Ask. Jesus had been teaching them to ask, you know, uh, for, for what they wanted. So, you know, they put his teaching to the test. So he says to them basically, okay, okay, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, well, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. Now, everything that was written there is factual and true, but because we don't understand the culture, you can read what we're about to read in Matthew, which gives us a little more uh, uh, details. And you could think Matthew was mistaken. The reality is, there was so many things happening every place Jesus went. if all the details were included in all the Gospels, we would not be able to fit the book under our arms. In fact, there would be encyclopedia uh, style, uh, uh, writings about the master. Uh, but in that time, if you sent someone to someone on your behalf and you spoke to that person, it was as if you spoke to them yourself. So we find in, in, in Mark, because Jesus or, or the Holy Spirit says here that uh, these boys asked this question, but in Matthew, we're going to actually discover uh, it was in the mouth of someone else. We find that it was actually the boys that were behind the request. And, and in this time, it was appropriate to record it this way. Let's go to Matthew 20 and verse 20. And it says this: Then the mother of Zebedee, the Zebedee's sons, that's James and John, came to him with her sons. So you know these disciples are smart, and, and, and actually this whole thing's a setup. They came to Jesus through their mother. Now historians say that uh, 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 the mother of John and James was was actually the sister of, of Mary which actually made them first cousins with Jesus. Same thing with John the Baptist. They were, uh, they were related. And we, we find this is a, a lot of family going on, uh, even while Jesus is ministering. But he's in a public setting, and certainly the 12 men are in the room, and, and there are other people there. And the, 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 the aunt comes in, kneeling down and asking something from him. Now, let me ask you, how might it impact you If your favorite aunt comes into a room in front of everybody that you really care about and everyone you know, and in front of everyone gets on her knees and asks you for something, how might that impact you? She comes, she's she's on her knees, and he said to her, okay, what do you wish? What's really going on here? James and John know what happened in chapter 9. So they really weren't sure how Jesus might respond to them if they asked the question. So they tried to grease the wheel by sending Mama. So Mama comes in. Now, Mama's in agreement. And, uh, you know, they're family. And, you know, they knew Jesus since he was a boy. And, you know, they're going to leverage this thing. And, you know what, hey, we're family, Jesus, now. You know, you're getting big and everything, and crowds are coming. And, you know, eventually, you know, they they thought he was going to rule probably in Jerusalem, and and, and take a literal throne. It's like, you you need to remember, you know, blood is thicker than water. And this was her approach. She said to him, grant these two sons of mine, that they may sit one on your right and the other on your left in your kingdom. This was the most honored position uh, in any kingdom, to be at the right or the left hand of, of the king. But also this was blatant opportunism. There's also a level of nepotism. All that was going on in the room. But what's amazing about Jesus, he understands exactly what's happening, but he remains totally calm. And he answered and he said this, here's the problem, auntie. You don't know that you don't know. You have a worldly approach to spiritual things. And if I don't check you, we're going to have some trouble. He looked at her and said, you don't know what you ask. In Christ's kingdom, you don't get positions based on the hookup. (laughs) Position comes in Christ's kingdom based on sacrifice. So listen to what he says. Are you able? He didn't say no. He just asked the right question. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? What was the qualifying question? It was not whether or not they wanted it. It was whether or not they were willing to pay the price. Someone once said, you know, happier those who dream dreams, but even happier are those who are willing to pay the price to make the dream come to pass. And a lot of people want positions of prominence and, and high standing, but the, re- the, the, the question, you know, the real issue is, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to endure the sacrifice? Because in God's kingdom, you got to take up the cross. Are you hearing me? There's a cross before the crown. And as we've said before, when when the apostle Paul established his authority, he didn't say, you know, look at my title. I am an apostle. On the road to Damascus, I had a conversation with Jesus himself. No, the book of Galatians said, he he said, "Uh, look at my back. He said, trouble me no more. I bear on my body the marks. Of Jesus Christ. It was his suffering that qualified him. That's why we love mama more than daddy. We love daddy. But for 24, 48 hours, intense pain. Nine months, they carried us. Verse 24. And when the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased. They were, they were, they were PO'd. They did they wouldn't, they wouldn't write that in the Bible, but they were PO'd. They were furious with the two brothers James and John. Why? I think it was because the, the, the real reason they were mad is they didn't think of it first.
0: Man, they, I could, I could, because they were all competing. A life of influence isn't achieved overnight. It's our prayer that this gift leaves you with a burning desire to be better and become everything God wants you to be. So, if you want to live a life that overflows and blesses others, this gift is for you. Claim your free book and get free 30-day access to Dr. Greer's Growth Lab. Simply visit dgmfree.com.
2: You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Dr. Derek Greer. Find out more about Dr. Greer, Grace Church, and today's teaching at gracechurchva.org. Let's get back to today's teaching.
1: Back to Mark 2, and let's get moving for the morning. Context has been established. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. For a brief moment, Jesus no longer let his body hide the glory that had always existed in him on the inside, and this was a tremendous moment. And in verse three, it adds his clothes became shining. How do you know that when you climb up a mountain, you get a little bit dirty? They tended to to, to wear uh, uh, white garments and linen garments, and 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 what's amazing in this situation. Is in spite of the dirt, basically, dirt roads and, and again, wind and, and all the rest and stuff hitting his clothes. But what we see here is that the glory of Jesus not only impacted the way he looked, it impacted everything that touched him. Anybody want to touch Jesus? Anybody really in touch with Jesus? exceedingly white like the snow he stood with overwhelming brightness Matthew said his face shine or shone like the Sun then it goes on and he introduces launderers and soap and he says such as no launderer on earth can whiten you see what scripture teaches is that on Calvary's cross there was a great exchange God placed on Jesus all of our soil, all of our shame, all of our sin. And instead of him staying dirty, on the third day, he shined through. And here's the deal with Jesus. He has a clean that you can't make dirty. Instead of us making his clean dirty, he makes our dirty clean. It's a brightness beyond explanation and like nothing else. It's easy to get dirty, but it takes work to get clean. But with Christ, it was the absolute opposite. Isaiah 1 and 18, the prophet saw this hundreds of years before Jesus, and he said it this way. This is what he said. He said, Though your sins are like scarlet, he was alluding to blood guilt here. He was talking about people like you and I that, that are culpable. That, 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 are, that, that have the unpardonables in the law, under the law, you would get killed for some stuff that, that many of us live another day to do again. He was talking about the worst type of sin. But then he says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Huh? The question to the reader of the Old Testament, how is that possible? H- how can that happen? God finally answered that question when Jesus, born of a virgin, showed up. You hear what I'm saying? And began to teach the thing He said, and ultimately bore our penalty on the cross. Let's keep going. Though they are red like crimson, though our hands are dripping with iniquity, self-absorption, and the ferocity and appetite of our sin, in spite of that, the prophet said there's coming a day That in spite of that, they shall be white as wool. What type of soap? What type of cleansing agent? You know, I was a kid. You ever hear lava? You ever been lava soap? Man, that's going to take your skin off. (laughs) You were clean, but you felt like you were going to bleed because it. (laughs) And what? What can cleanse something as filthy? It's you and I. Well, the New Testament response, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm stuck there. What has washed away my sins? nothing but the blood of jesus what can make me whole what can make me whole nothing but the blood nothing but the blood of jesus we're singing oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow and no other help. I know nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Y'all interrupted my preaching. Let's go back to the text. <laughs> <laughs> nothing but the blood. Mark 9 and 14. And when he came to the disciples, Jesus had just left paradise on the mountain, man. I mean, he's shining bright. Actually, the Bible says Elijah and Moses came, the prophet and the law, you know, all that representing the tomb, came to, to consult with him, talk with him. And, and as soon as they got back on sea level, drama, I mean, <laughs> well, he came and he looked at the nine remaining disciples and he saw a great multitude around them. And the scribes arguing and disputing with them. Now imagine, you know, you went on a three-day vacation, great vacation, just you and the wife, you and a husband, maybe just you and a friend, whatever. You go on this great vacation. As soon as you pull in the driveway to cheerings, <laughs> the kids are arguing and pulling on your clothes. She's she, she's she, she. look at you what, like, honey, we're back. Immediately. When they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed. Why? Because the radiance could still be seen on his face. And just as Moses came down from the mountain, his face shone. And actually, when he came down, he heard a sound. And, and there was a, you know, actually, Joshua said, you know, it's the sound of words. He said, no, that's not war. That's something else. And Moses ended up breaking the commandments. And, and he came down. It was a mess down at the bottom of that hill. And Jesus has a similar experience. They saw him and... Um, you know, everybody, you know, he's shining. So everyone wants to see that up close and personal. So they ran to him and they greeted him. And, uh, but, but, you know, scripture says here that the crowd ran, but the scribes, you know, they, they stood off aloof, the ones that were arguing with the disciples. And, um, uh, uh, he literally, uh, here it says ask, but the word really means to demand. So Jesus sees the situation and, and he, he speaks over the crowd who ran to him. to You know, th- these scribes were extremely, they're highly powerful, extremely educated uh, men. They, they were very powerful, very prominent. They wore special clothes. When you saw them, you greeted them uh, a certain way. Very, very powerful group of men. And they were like, you know, we're not like those people that run to a Jesus. And they were just standing there and, and watching Jesus from a distance. And uh, this was their approach. But Jesus speaks over the crowd to the scribes. And he addresses them. He says, What are you discussing with them, my disciples?
2: You've been listening to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live big. Listen to this message and much more from Dr. Greer for free at gracechurchva.org. We also invite you to join Dr. Greer and the Grace Church family here in Dumfries, Virginia not far from Quantico Marine Base. We would love to meet you and have you join us for worship, teaching, and fellowship every Sunday and Wednesday. Get directions, service times, and much more at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Join us weekdays at this time for the teaching ministry of Dr. Derek Greer. And remember, until next time, live big.
0: Based on your individual results, this tool will identify the barriers keeping you from moving forward. Once you complete this free assessment, you'll be able to claim free a copy of Dr. Greer's brand new book, 120 Minutes to Live Big. To get started, visit CanILiveBig.com today.